welcome to the Breakout Growth Podcast, where Sean Ellis and Ethan Gar interview leaders from the world's fastest growing companies to get to the heart of what's really driving their growth. And now, here are your hosts, Sean Ellis and Ethan Gar. All right, in this week's episode of the Breakout Growth Podcast, Ethan Gar and I chat with Ben Yeager, Vice President of EMEA at Molaco. So Molico provides machine learning-based advertising solutions that help advertisers reach prospects outside of the walled gardens of Google, Meta, also known as Facebook, <laughs> and Amazon, and, and obviously Instagram and, and, and others in the Meta mix there. So Ben explains that those companies are really great at driving performance. So anyone who's, who's used any of those media properties on the advertising side, you have a lot of controls. They're almost automated in the sense you can you can put a, uh, a a target cost per acquisition and they will automate their way into finding opportunities to drive that uh, cost per acquisition for you. But getting that same type of control and performance outside of those big media properties has been really tough, and that's what these guys are addressing. So they're they're going beyond the walls of the big three to. Br- bring performance marketing opportunities that are on a uh, similar level to what we see in the big three. So Ethan, what did you find most interesting about this conversation? Yeah, I mean, there's a huge world beyond the big three. So I think this is uh, this is really relevant and exciting for our audience. But, you know, Sean, we're at such an interesting time in the world of tech because of AI. Half the news is telling us how AI is going to make our lives and work better. The other half is telling us how it's going to take our jobs and probably murder us in the middle of the night. But here's a company that's built massive success, 5x growth in the last two years with machine learning at its core. So this is really, you know, it became a conversation about outcomes and what machine learning and AI can actually do to help businesses achieve their goals today. Yeah, I just I just finished up a couple of speaking tours and it's literally AI, AI, AI. <laughs> Almost every question I get, all the conversations around AI and, and the hype is understandable. I think it is going to be super transformative to growth, to marketing, to, to business in general. Um, but you know, ultimately it is about driving results. And I was excited with this conversation because Ben really brought the conversation back down to earth. He works in performance marketing and using uh, machine learning, which is a, a form of AI, it, he he really uh, he's he's focused on those outcomes and and driving good results. And you can't hide from results when you're doing performance marketing. So um, one of the things that I thought it was was particularly interesting was that Molico still uses machine learning in most of their messaging. Where if you really wanted to like tap into the hype cycle, you'd probably update everything to yeah. just say, yeah, we're an AI driven platform that's going to help you drive those results. But I think they're they're just so much more focused on driving the results. And it really seems to be serving them well in in building a successful company. Yeah, for sure. I had to talk you down from the uh, calling growth hacking, AI driven growth hacking. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> but I think, yeah, ulti- ultimately, performance marketing is about optimizing every element of reaching people at the right place, at the right time, with the right message. And machine learning augments that, you know, augments what smart human beings can do to actually achieve that. Maloko's model... I think it makes 8 million predictions per second to get it right. Yeah, that blew my mind. I know. And when they, <laughs> when they when they do that, when they get it right, they are creating real value for advertisers and consumers. Exactly. So I I think the uh the relevance to the larger AI discussion in the world is is going to be super interesting for our listeners, but that was really only one of the things that you and I took from the conversation that that we got excited about. You know, I, I think we both honed in on the fact that uh, he is the VP of EMEA. So uh, for anyone who isn't isn't familiar with that acronym, that means Europe, Middle East and Africa and Focusing on pushing a solution out in very different regions, even even the countries within Europe tend to be pretty different. But across those regions, I think there was a lot of interesting learning there as well. And they've had, you know, really helped advertisers in each of those markets reach customers through mobile mobile apps and, and gaming in particular. But not only is he expanding regionally, he's also working to uh, expand into other markets like retail, food delivery, e-commerce, and, and pretty much anything you can think of to bring that same uh, performance marketing uh, that, that we've come to love from the big platforms to, to the broader web. Yeah. I mean, the expansion story here is definitely... Um 
it's it's definitely interesting and i think it, you know both of us left we, you and i can always judge how 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 good these uh podcast episodes are going to be by our enthusiasm in our post uh, debrief and uh, we were we were pretty excited right. about this one so uh you know i mean Molico's on a tear uh they have a valuation north of two billion dollars now uh their founding team sounds pretty brilliant with experience from youtube google and oracle and they're really extending opportunities for performance marketers all over the world. So I think there's a lot to learn in this one. So uh, what do you think, Sean? Should we jump in? Yeah, I just yeah, you, know, you talk about that valuation, but I think it's also the growth rate. What um, you you had mentioned a stat to me of of they were one of the was it top ten fastest growing uh, companies in Silicon Valley based on I think the Inc. Five Thousand uh, yeah. latest report. Yeah, it was something like that. I mean, it was it was a pretty staggering, you know, uh, to stand out the way they did. I, I don't remember the exact statistic, but to stand out the way they did was pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think in particular with having AI as part of their solution that they're offering in a business to business context to be able to drive that growth rate and those valuations, the sky's the limit on this business and and many that are tapping into these technologies. So um, I think everyone's going to really enjoy this episode. I want to just acknowledge that it's been a while since we put an episode out. Oh, we've been busy. <laughs> yeah, we've both been heads down working in uh, very fast growing companies. And I think that's that's uh, one of the things that helps us add value to these conversations is that we're we don't just talk about growth, that we actually spend a lot of time uh, rolling up our sleeves, executing growth, and and moving beyond the theory to what what practically matters and works. So hopefully you'll pick that up as we have this conversation. But let's dive into it. Sounds good. All right, hey Ben, welcome to the Breakout Growth Podcast. Good to be here. Thank you, Sean and Ethan. Yeah, as you mentioned, Ethan is here as well. So I'm joined by my co-host, Ethan Gar. Uh, good to see you, Ethan. Yeah, good to see you too. Nice to meet, nice to meet you, Ben, in person. Uh, unfortunately, you only have part of me, as you can hear. I have a little laryngitis this week, but uh, I'll do my best to power through. Some might say that's a good thing, Ethan. I'll talk a little less and listen a little more. So um, that's. Uh, I think our, audi- <laughs> our audience saw that one coming from a mile away. <laughs> I may have slipped Ethan something to give him some laryngitis, <laughs> slow him down a bit. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, let's let's jump right into it. So, so Ben, um, you are the vice president. President of EMEA at uh, Malaco. Did I pronounce it correctly? How do, how do you guys pronounce the company name? I guess Maloco, M-O-L-O-C-O. Okay, so um, yeah. there's a lot of questions that I want to ask about. You know, I know uh, that that kind of the hot topics these days are are AI and machine learning, and um, I, I just got back from a speaking tour in Brazil. Uh, and and whenever I'm doing a podcast interview. One of the first questions people ask is just how how is how is AI in particular, but machine learning as well, impacting growth and how we're how we're going to approach our uh, jobs in the future. And the the truth is, I I really don't know too much. You're more likely to be an expert in those areas than me, so I'm excited to to dig into that with you. But I think it's important for our audience to do a little bit of background first, and you can you can talk a bit about what the company does and uh, you know what what kind of customers you serve and and maybe the outcomes that you you help to deliver. Maloco is a machine learning company. Initially, the founders had MLC, machine learning company, as 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 the name, and then added the O's to make it more pronounceable. Um, and and what it, what it is that we do um, is uh, in performance advertising, make sure that we are driving return on ad spend for advertisers and. We we are specialized with our biggest and, and first um, business line is is the DSP, a demand side platform, where we help um, app businesses acquire new users. And the company has been around for is celebrating its ten year anniversary, so it it uh, it's a bit of a overnight success that took ten years. Our, our founder. Uh, we we have founders from um, uh, ex Google and Oracle and and Ikchin, our CEO. He was one of the first machine learning engineers at YouTube. He um, developed the monetization algorithm for YouTube as a uh, machine learning engineer. 
and then thought, okay, I can take this and democratize um, this technology and help other businesses grow. So this is what we do. Um, and we've been doing it quite successfully um, in the last uh, two years, growing more than 5x, um, which is extremely impressive. Yeah. And, and how big is the overall team? We're more than 500 people now. Okay. Sorry um, if you said that. I, uh, I mean, Suddenly my pen stopped working. So I was like <laughs> randomly searching for another pen, but now I got it working again. So over 500 people. Okay. Yeah. Over 500 people. Um, half of them are actually machine learning engineers, um, data scientists, and, 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 and the rest are uh, the, the people like me. We're trying to make something <laughs> out hoping of that. to let people take advantage of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the growth has been incredible. I saw you guys have a valuation north of $2 billion now. Um, and as Sean was saying, like all the rage everywhere we go these days, everything's about AI. I've been working with a, um, a team doing generative AI in the DevOps space. I mean, it, it's permeating everywhere. And obviously, machine learning is and AI are closely related. Um, do you guys consider yourselves an AI company or like, is it really machine learning and maybe like, how do you, what do you see as the difference or, or relationship between those two? So AI is the umbrella term and machine learning is part of AI. Uh, AI is any, anything that, uh, tries to, uh, emulate human intelligence and teaching computers to behave like humans and 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 act uh, and and achieve outcomes like humans, um, and ML more specifically is um, the field of teaching using algorithms and data to teach a system to uh, self-learn and produce um, outcomes that otherwise uh, couldn't have been um, designed if, 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 the, if, if the person that is writing the code uh, couldn't actually uh, achieve this, these type of results themselves. The system is improving and getting better than the human uh, that is designing the system. So if you think about it in um, playing chess, so there's there's a level where you can to, to which you can play chess, but if you are a very strong machine learning engineer, you can teach the system to to teach itself and eventually become better than you. And you obviously couldn't descriptively uh, explain the machine how to beat yourself, but you can teach it to teach itself and then beat you. Um, and that's kind of how machine learning works. Gotcha. And I guess in the world of performance marketing, where you just have huge data sets to work with, I guess that's really where that leverage really comes into, into play, right? Like nobody could take all that data and manually uh, come up with the best outcomes for advertisers on their own, but teaching the system to learn uh, can then essentially augment the, the knowledge that the programmers have themselves, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're talking about huge amount of data. Um, so when the, the scale that, that we are at, we, our DSP is plugged into 35 different exchanges and um, we're receiving about 6 billion bid requests per second. Um, and And the machine needs to uh, make decisions in less so so the the, the it's a real time bidding auction and the machine needs to respond in less than 100 milliseconds we take about 50 to 80 milliseconds to answer and we need to make a decision on what ad creative should we show uh what ad format is most suitable and then what is the the appropriate bid price for this specific impression um and it's it's unimaginable, right? Uh, the the scale and and the speed at which these systems operate. So I just want to ask one more related question to that because uh, I was reading an article just coming into this conversation about Maloko and trying to better understand what you do. And one of the things that struck me is that it seems like an area where you are really trying to differentiate yourself is in terms of 
ad relevance. You know, I mean, ads are, you know, let's say it's on, you know, they're sold on a CPM basis. There's this idea, you know, simply, you know, trying to optimize for the immediate value of, you know, who, you know, like who gets the, who, who's bidding the most is one thing, but ultimately the the long-term success is going to be on the relevance of that, of that ad. Is that a, a is that really a big part of what you're trying trying to train your machine learning algorithm to do is to not just look at one parameter, the, the, the dollars and cents, but look at the long-term value to the end user so that you make long-term a lot more value for the, for the advertiser. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything that Maloko does is about value creation. Um, and, and that's, that's the beauty of performance marketing where uh, the incentives are aligned. If we do not deliver performance, and performance in this instance means return on ad spend, but if we don't return ad dollars back we did, um, to, to uh, the advertisers, then dollars, uh, ad budgets shift to other, uh, other players. And so the only way we can sustain and grow is by actually delivering value, which means long-term outcome like buying ads from Maloko is is like an investment you 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 pay x and you expect to get x plus um back um out of it and if we can't deliver that then people won't continue to buy from us um so yes we are very much focused about uh on 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 going beyond uh, just showing the highest paying um, ads to the person. It, it needs to be, uh, we, we, we need to show the ad to the person that we believe is, is the most relevant and, and is the per, the, is, has the highest user value for this specific um, advertiser. And do you feel like um, that that just like on on the AI kind of side that it's it's just in such like a hype cycle right now that people are people are focused on on that just because everyone else is talking about it and there's like how's this going to help my job is this going to take my job away um, and and they should really be talking about machine learning or or should it really just be yeah, outcome focus. What are the outcomes we're trying to accomplish? What are the tools to accomplish those outcomes? And 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 kind of the the technology that drives those outcomes is the name of that technology doesn't really matter that much. Wait, wait, how how would you kind of uh, <laughs> differentiate between those things? It's a good question. What one is like marketing the company or the business, and 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 you rightly pointed out before we went online that. We don't mention AI too much on on our website. I'm torn because I I don't know. I think potentially there's value in 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 saying, and we wouldn't lie if we say that we are an AI company, because as I as I said, AI is an umbrella term and machine learning is this, is a um, category of of AI. Um, but I, I think the, the the vast majority of people. Um, do think about it like you just described. There's, there's an engine that gets me from A to B, and I don't necessarily, there's some people that really care and look under the hood and want to understand the, exactly the mechanics of, of the engine. But most people want to get um, from A to B in a comfortable way, in a reliable way. Um, and what exactly the technology is that drives it is less relevant, and and I think it's the the same is true for us. If we if we throw around fancy words but don't deliver value, it doesn't really matter at all, and we couldn't we couldn't achieve continuous growth. So really focusing on on getting the outcomes that advertisers um, need is is all that matters. If you're playing the long game, if you want to like jump the, 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 on the hype. But but as I said, we're we're, we're ten ten years in the making, so we're about to celebrate our ten year anniversary okay. yeah, yeah. at Maloko, um, and um, so it takes a long time to do this well and do it right. For the first five years, I I don't think Maloko made a cent, and uh, and only f five years in, we started to actually um, 
make revenue and then grow because right. it, it's complex. It's it's really really difficult yeah. to do. Some might say that um, that you uh, hit product market fit at that point. I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. I think this this question of uh, or this this outcome focus that you have, where where really what you're doing is you're you're leveraging machine learning to drive better return on ad spend, and in in the world of of competitive bidding, which everything's turning into, even if you buy CPM, it's you know it it, it really all comes down to if you if you don't get that return on investment, you can't sustainably uh, invest money there, and so um, if, if we kind of play that out for a while. And we start to say, all right, if 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 a tool like Moloko is is able to drive better return on ad spend, make you more competitive, then the ones that are really going to be competing for all the top spots are going to be leveraging something like like your tool set. Um, how does how does that start to kind of play out long term? Um, is yeah, I've I've seen companies kind of all over the board in terms of leveraging technology, including companies that are, you know, six and seven figure a month spending on ads with no even tracking of return on ad spend, let alone having the tools to optimize that return on ad spend. Um, but, but clearly, clearly, you know, the, again, the more you can have a positive return on investment and then really scale that spend, that's, that's how you, how you buy market share and you, you own a market. So do you have thoughts in kind of how, how this starts to play out in, in the next few years as, as more and more companies leverage, uh, leverage machine learning in their, in their approach to, uh, performance marketing? What happens is that it, it gives the opportunity for the best products to rise to the top. Because underlying is, is an, an, in, in our case, we're advertising certain apps. So if the app itself is not um, attractive to users, isn't, um, is, and, and so isn't delivering the utility or entertainment or whatever um, it's trying to drive, then you can have the best uh, machine learning to actually try and um, to get users uh, in in the door, but if you can't keep them and maintain them, then then that's that, that's nothing can help you. So the answer is uh, a long winded answer is I think machine learning has the potential to level the playing field and allow the best products to rise to the top. That's maybe an idealistic view of uh, a, a potential future, but I think there's something there. Yeah, I I, th I think you're right, and I'm really glad you touched on on kind of the the quality of the product experience as as being a, a major factor. If you're if you're just really efficient at at reaching customers and and driving that return on investment, but your ability to convert those customers to a to a to a great experience in a product that delivers on their need um, is is limited you're you, in the long run you're not going to be able to to build a, an effective business and so um, in my experience I started in the performance marketing side of things but I quickly found that a lot of investment in in activation so how do you, how do you get a new customer or a new prospect to the right experience in the product was really where I had a lot of leverage to become a lot more competitive in those channels. So is, is that an area that you, you guys also work in or do you have like other, other tools that you integrate with that are, that are effective there? Or how do, how do you kind of work in, in the stack that helps someone be ultimately really competitive in, in reaching the right prospects and converting them and, and, and building market share? For the DSP business specifically, we're very much focused on um, the user acquisition aspect. So finding the right user for your product, um, finding people that look sim look alike, the people that are doing well within your um, product. And we're using your first-party data to um, train our models and find you more of what of what you already have that's that's the the, the main advantage there there's there's a second and third business line that we have so we have um our retail media platform business which is um the the flip side it's 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 allowing retail uh marketplaces 
um, of all shapes and sizes uh, to monetize uh, the the users. So so create an ad an ads business and having merchants um, advertise and and then create return on ad spend for your merchants on the platform. So it's using the same um, performance marketing mindset and and technology. Um, but here we're actually to some extent further down the funnel in the stack, helping you uh, generate um, a more profitable business rather than on the DSP side, we're helping you acquire users on the RMP side. We're actually making your product more profitable and uh, yeah, high margin um, ads, creating a high margin. Yeah. So it sounds so it sounds, I, I know I just said, so Ethan and I kind of communicate offline a little bit and I'm like, you're up. And so I'm going to, I'm going to take that back. So it, it sounds like that part that I <laughs> talked about in terms of activation, companies still need to do that well. And it doesn't mean like one tool doesn't necessarily serve all the needs of a company. So just, just for, for our listeners out there, as you, as you kind of think about how these pieces fit together, really efficient and, and well-managed customer acquisition is really important. It sounds like that's that's where you guys play a really big role. Very good um, uh, revenue optimization is also really important, and it sounds like you can play a role for for particular maybe not SaaS, but for a uh, ad supported company there. And then, but just don't forget about that layer of uh, you know that often sits in between marketing and product. That how do how do you onboard that new customer to the right experience in your product so that ultimately they get to that aha moment and want to come back more and more. And that's, and that's often more, more process driven in my experience than it is necessarily tool driven. Yeah. There might be a lot of AB testing, which would require the tools, but um, just, just to kind of draw the full picture of where, where do you really drive success in, in, uh, performance marketing. I think you, what you're doing is an incredibly important part of that stack, but um, it, it's important to look at that big picture as well. That's, I think that's a great way to tie that together, Sean. But also, um, I, I wanted to go back to one thing you said earlier, Ben. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, Maloko is really able to use ML to sort of level the playing field. And I think if you think about this industry, I mean, it's been dominated by Google and Meta, right, for for a long time. Do you see what you're doing as uh, fitting in in, a, in more of a niche, or is it disrupt? Is it ultimately the goal is to d- disrupt that part of the you know that part of performance marketing that they've they've dominated so well? What what sets uh, Google and Meta uh, apart from all the others is that they actually um, are excel at driving. Um, advertiser, the, the results that they're looking for. So return on ad spend and driving real performance is what what made them uh, grow to, to the behemoths that they are today. And I think outside of um, Meta, Google, and, and Amazon, by the way, who also have a uh, uh, performance um, ads business, on, on the, like it's it's similar to our retail media platform business, to be honest. Um, but outside of those three companies, then there's not there's no one um, that that has the level of sophistication when it comes to machine learning in the um, in the performance marketing space. So we we see ourselves as um, Outside of these world gardens, um, if you want to grow, and there's there's audiences that are spending a lot of their time, a lot of eyeballs are going outside of Meta and and um, Google. In sp- people are spending time in apps and and on websites and so on. And if you are outside of of these world gardens, this is where we see ourselves as. Um, the, the the real uh, alternative to to drive performance and give you the same results that you used to from these type of companies um in 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 the open internet so to speak so are you not uh like how how much of the business i mean not with like specific numbers but how how much of the the ad spend that goes through you guys goes to these big platforms versus versus some of the 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 rest of the internet um, is. I'm assuming that you also integrate with AdWords and and uh, and, and Facebook. No. So, 
Yeah, so we we do not. So so uh, oh, it, you do it, not. Okay, it, interesting. We don't Sorry. see no. So no, no, no worries. I think it's good. Um, it's a good point you raise because I think it's important to clarify. We think that th- they know they really know what they're doing, right? So I think it 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 doesn't make sense for us to compete on on their traffic. Um, and, and, and so, so besides the fact that they don't, they don't allow us to, if they were allowed us to, I think we would, we, we would give it a shot. But I think, um, as, as it stands now, that's why we, we call them walled gardens because there, there's only one, you, you go in, but you can't, like, they don't really, um, let external parties um, buy or, or get access to the data and so on. So every everything outside of of um, those world gardens is where we are acquiring users and we are driving similar, if not better, results for our advertisers than they can get um, with Meta and Google. That's fantastic because I, I know personally when I'm working with a company, I tend to you know. I tend to focus kind of the the, the post click experience, and then and then either through external agencies or just internal experts within the business, they're doing a lot of the advertising management side of things. But it uh, it, it it seems that that Google and and Facebook really have dominated the the ad spend of the of the companies that I've worked with, and I think it's because they provide all of that data, and and obviously they have the reach. You have all of the intent that sits inside Google, and then and a lot of targeting data that sits inside Facebook. But um, to be able to, uh, to to be able to leverage other traffic sources that. Combined are are probably bigger than 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 Google and and Facebook is is really exciting as a way to expand you know a, additional high return on investment opportunities. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, do, do you see customers coming to you? Uh, should customers potentially come to you first, or you know, because there's you see more opportunity outside of those walled gardens for them to to really find high performing channels, or is it usually the you know they should probably you know sort of test the waters elsewhere get us get a sense of what they can do within Google Meta etc and then or is it just a combination of both yeah yeah I don't I think the beauty is that it's not mutually exclusive unless I mean you, if you have a, a limited um, budget then yes you need to but uh, assuming assuming that um, you have sufficient budget. Uh, and given that that the idea is you it's it's an investment that that pays back and you can you can measure um the return on ad spend um budgets should be uh unlimited right like it's just um you you're just you you're spending money and you're receiving you're getting more but so it's um it 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 might be a cash flow um, question at some point, but theoretically, if if performance is strong, budgets and and you can you can scale uh, infinitely. Budgets should be infinite as well. Um, Meta and Google make it extremely easy um, for you to to get going and started, and and we're trying to do exactly the same. There, there's no reason why you shouldn't um, start with us. Uh, is 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 kind of what I'm saying, but I don't I, I don't think it's it's mutually exclusive. You don't have to make the the tough decision. Um, is 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 really uh, where I'm going. Yeah, in, in in my experience, as you said, the the goal is as many positive return on investment opportunities as possible. Uh, with with an acceptable payback window. So if uh, if your positive return on investment takes you four years, then then maybe you're not going to have the balance sheet and cash flow to to support that. Um, but assuming you have a relatively fast return on investment, you want as many of those as possible. And then what I started to I was going to quickly just chime in that um, there's enough savvy investors out there that if if you have a a, a lot of uh, fast return on investment opportunities that are untapped in a business, that's that's usually the most attractive investment for even even uh, debt investors. So you, you could do equity investment or debt investment. And so um, 
yeah, that's that in my experience with any company I've ever worked with is always the biggest challenge is how, how do you find additional positive return on investment ways to drive growth in the business, uh, beyond what you've already identified and, uh, and as long as it's an acceptable payback window, um, you should be doing it. So Ben, I know in your role, you're tapped with driving growth in, in Europe, Mideast, Africa. Um, Mike, I'm curious, where, what do you see as the big opportunities in those regions and why, what's exciting about it for you and where do you see the business going um, in those markets? So, so I think um, big opportunity for us is uh, growing outside of uh, gaming apps. Um, so, so we have um, we're, we're strong with uh, we, we have some really nice clients on the um, travel, transportation, fintech, um, ecom, um, food delivery. Uh, but but really where we are particularly strong in EMEA is on the gaming side. So uh, gaming app developers um, with, with in-app purchase uh, events uh, work extremely well and we've, we've, we've scaled um, that, those businesses um, dramatically. Um, and I think the opportunity is, uh, is for us in EMEA particularly is uh, replicating what we've seen our US, my US counterparts and our US teams doing as well as our APEX team is um, g- capturing much more of market share outside of uh, the gaming um, space. Yeah, I, I think the value proposition that you've laid out for us is is really strong in in what you're doing for companies. But even beyond the expansion, as as Ethan was just asking about, I think it'd be probably pretty helpful to just understand kind of what the what the go to market mechanism is for your business. How how do you guys how do you guys acquire your customers? Um, is it uh, is it a is it a largely a, a touch sale? Is it a highly consultative sale? Um, is it, is it more self-service and, and just, I mean, you, you touched on the growth. I think you said like it, what did you say? Five X growth in, in the last yeah. couple of years. I mean, so, so Two incredible years. growth yeah. rates. I think, um, I, I had read that, uh, you're the fifth fastest growing company in Silicon Valley based on the, the Inc 5,000. So clearly, clearly you have a solution that's resonating with the market and you figured out a really good way to get that solution to market. So yeah, more insights and in, in how you're doing that would be really helpful as well. Yeah. So, so, um, what we, we have, uh, sales reps that, that reach out, um, to prospects, um, via LinkedIn, um, and uh, attend a lot of the industry events where uh, marketeers are. And we, I, I don't know how many um, events, I, I, would, I would love to um, have this number off the top of my head, but I think it's north of 50 um, events that we've uh, attended in uh, this year in EMEA alone. Um, and... Um, and then we also have uh, partner channels where we collaborate with uh, the various mobile measurement partners and other tech partners um, to uh, bring clients in and, and make them aware of us. So we, we feature in several of the rankings of best, uh, best media sources and, um, and so on. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of how we, we we go to markets. Yeah, and then it, it, from a from a value proposition out uh, perspective on the outreach. Like to me I think one of the, from what you've talked about one of the things that's most appealing is yeah, yeah this idea that you know, are you completely reliant on on Google and and Facebook for for your your ad spend would you would you like to tap into all of the alternative sources out there with similar targeting and and optimization opportunities is that is that kind of what the what the value proposition is when you're when you're reaching out to people and and uh, and if if so what are the what are the types the kind of more company stage like are they do they tend to be pretty early stage are they are they big companies or or everything across the yeah. across board 
That was that was pretty good, uh, Sean. Do you want to join us? We, <laughs> <laughs> sure. How, I, I, I like where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah. it, you made it. You made it sound so easy. But yes, that's 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 basically the value proposition. Um, and um, in terms of uh, company size, the only uh, prerequisite is that you that that your app. Uh, generates um, enough uh, events, so is big enough to generate enough events to uh, for our ML to have data in order to optimize uh, um, against. If you want to run a basic, just an install campaign, then you need X amount of installs per day. Um, but those are those are not really the that's not the holy grail of 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 what we do what you really want to run is return on ad spend um campaigns and for that we need um payment events and we need um x amount of payment events to train the machine and, and then find users that that can do that so uh size does matter to some extent or the amount of data that that your that your app business currently is producing matters um, but other than that, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're an enterprise with, um, with, with, with an e-com app or you are a two person gaming studio, uh, we, we, we are open to all. And I, and I assume it's mostly consumer businesses then that they're going to have that data volume versus, versus say, say B2B applications. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Is it safe to say, though, that um, as long as you have a reasonable amount of events happening, as you're saying, that the budget you would need to test the value of Moloko is probably fairly low because, the, I mean, I assume it doesn't take that long for the ML algorithm to figure out and start optimizing, right? Yes. And what we do is we, um, one ingenious um, move by our ML engineers is that we actually are able to train our models before you start spending um, by enabling uh, ingesting data into our systems in advance. So we can start two weeks prior to launching. Um, we can start ingesting um, your event data into our system. We can train the, the, the models and then we can go and we already have um, a head start. And then depending on the amount of data that we get, it will take another two, three, four weeks um, to, to, to ramp up and, and reach um, your campaign goals. So, so do they need to make a uh, kind of a, a budget commitment to you to, to do that work? Or are you able to kind of offer that as a, as a kind of, pre-sale value add to say this is this is what we think we can deliver to you um or is it is it kind of too expensive to to to, to offer that without some kind of uh, commitment and spend for you guys no so so as as we mentioned um earlier it right we, we can deliver people to your app but then de depending how strong your product is uh it 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 will the results will largely depend on on the on, on the app as well right so for us to to take the risk uh with any business to to say okay we're gonna uh we know exactly how your app works how it monetizes is 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 difficult therefore we 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 basically say okay you want you know your product what we can do is deliver you the users and then you need to um, do the rest. You need to retain them and monetize yeah. them and so on. So, so I guess building on that question, how, how do you actually charge for your product? Do you, do you charge as a percentage of ad spend that goes through it or is it a kind of a flat SaaS fee? It's on an uh, OCPM basis. So um, it's, it's optimized uh, cost per mill. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. That's that's how we charge. Okay, so it's it's based so, on the the volume that's basically going through it. Exactly. So it's 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 essentially like a, a media cost. We it's a cost plus. So whatever we 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 are because we are also buying um, the media on your behalf, and we're charging. Um, we're taking a, a, a markup. 
But it, but it does seem like I'm just again maybe overthinking your go to market and may, maybe you do something like this and maybe maybe it's some new ideas for you. But like uh, even even though you can't guarantee that we think we could get you this much, I think if you still said if you know based on a model of conversion rates of this monetization of this uh, you know repeat purchase whatever. Um, if if you can deliver on those pieces, we think we can give you this much incremental growth. And if if your sales team could essentially offer that assessment for free as a as a kind of proof of concept, it feels like you'd get you get a lot of people saying, "Holy crap! Yeah, this let's let's test this. This seems fairly low risk to test." Um, have you have you tried anything like that? We haven't. So, so the whole like value engineering um, concept is is um, I don't want to simp- uh, simplify it too much because I think we have brilliant sales reps. But pretty much the pitch that you gave earlier um, is 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 close to um, how a conversation goes in reality. Do you like um, the results you're getting from uh, Meta and from from Google? Would you like to expand on that opportunity on on the vast majority of the open internet that is currently untapped? Um, yes. Okay. Let's go. Yeah, in, and in, it's already, I guess, in, lo- lo- simpli- sim- yeah, simplified dramatically. <laughs> and I guess it's already low risk enough that they that they could basically try it and turn it off if it's not delivering. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah, I think that. No, I was, was going to say this yeah. basically the same thing. I think what you know what you're hearing is Sean and I always are get, we always get excited when we hear about you know businesses that sort of have um, really connected value for their end users. And what 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 this really talks about is like, hey, this is sort of if you're getting value here, it's kind of a no brainer to try it here because it's only going to be to your benefit. It's only to be it's only expansive to that and. The risk is low, and the time to to learn is quick, right? I think that's you know, if if you can get an answer in a few weeks as to whether this is going to be an effective channel. I mean, how many? You know, you talked about like going to fifty events this year. The problem with events, right, is it can take a while to figure out really how effective they are going to be for you, right? And you know, whereas this is you know, this is instant gratification. So I know we're we're starting to run short on time. You know, I. We didn't dig too much into your specific role. I, I, know I have one question on his specific role. If you, you okay, maybe you're going to hit the same one, but I, I'm just really curious. I think that it feels like it's such a pure value proposition, such a su- such a clean one. Is there is there any kind of tweaking to that value proposition? As with your focus on EMEA, is there any kind of tweaking to that value proposition in different markets, or is is does pretty much the same pitch work in each market? They they are um local nuances uh for sure so i think uh one one challenge we have in emia is when you think about ecom it's emia is an extremely fragmented market you don't have like in the us uh one uh massive market with one language with one store to to go after in emia you have Hundreds of of different markets with, with languages and, right. and so on. Even and, just um, within Europe, you're going to have different, <laughs> huge differences. And then yeah. you compare European countries to African countries or Middle Eastern countries. It's uh, yeah, absolutely. And and so that is that that is um, one big challenge. It, it's it's the, the challenge is twofold. One in how do you structure the team to go after um, these opportunities, right? Because uh, as you know, people tend to buy from people very much like to speak their own languages. Um, so this is a, a talent question and challenge. And then it's on the, on the product side, um, we scale really well um, for for businesses, but if you are only present in one lang- in one language in one market, the value that we can deliver is limited by by, by your market, right? So I think um, that is uh, th- that that's part of the challenge, and that's why in EMEA gaming has worked so well because gaming is global. Gaming tends to be. Um, Gaming apps tends to be available all over, and there's a, a amazing um, talent 
game developers in in EMEA, and um, so so that's that's one of the advantages, and that's why we went after uh, gaming companies in EMEA specifically first. Whereas in the US, we see food delivery and ecom and and all those apps do extremely well because it's uh, they don't have the same constraints. I hope mm-hmm. that answers. No, it does. It does. Question. Thanks. For sure. So I just have one last question, and then I, uh, Sean will ask our uh, our famous uh, wrap up question. But you know, if you look back, uh, Ben, and in let's say I don't know, you tell me two years or so at your efforts here at um, at Molico, um, what will success look like for you? What like if you can say, man, I hit it out of the park. What's happened in the in that time period? I think we we, we would have established. It, we would have come on to this podcast and you would have known exactly um, who Moloko is. I think becoming a household name uh, is as, as one of the leading software companies in the world is something that we um, have the ambition to achieve and we have all the ingredients to actually achieve. You mentioned with the fifth fastest growing company. Um, in Silicon Valley. And, and, and so if we continue on this trajectory, I think we can get there. Gotcha. So I guess that informs sort of uh, what I've read about you guys and also a little bit about why why the push into uh, beyond just gaming, right? It's product diversification for you guys is really about showcasing who you are beyond just that that one niche right that it's yeah. a big niche gaming but um, yeah. that's that's the importance of being present in e-commerce and retail and other places as well right yes absolutely and we have we we have other businesses that we're launching and um, where the retail uh, media platform business has hit product market fit and now it's about scaling that to the same extent that we um, have cr- um, scaled the DSP and and so creating further uh, S curves and extending the S curves is is what what we're about and we're tapping into really really big markets um, that that uh, are uh, ready and 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 ripe to to actually uh, benefit from from machine learning at uh, at this level. So I'm I'm going to cheat and I'm going to add one more question beyond before my last question. Um, it just it just struck me that like I I feel like in in the past you know when I I, I mentioned I originally started in a performance marketing role and it was a very manual process to like we would run a macro in an Excel sheet that would give us kind of the bit adjustments and it was it was it was a, a very kind of hands on process. You know more and more you get you, you know you you put your target cost per acquisition or even your return on investment and and you're getting directly in systems like yours or in Facebook or in, in AdWords, your ability to make those adjustments. Um, agencies have kind of come in and out of playing a role for me over the years um, with that. Uh, you know, but but as you as you can start to do buying across a lot of different media and uh, and and through a platform that 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 tests and optimize that media are you finding that a lot of your business is through agencies or is most of it direct to the clients? And, and do you see that, that, that changing over time? Yeah. Um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, it, it is becoming increasingly easy to buy from platforms because machines are taking over a lot of the heavy lifting, which means that a lot of, our cl- our clients um, feel comfortable with buying direct from us, and I think agencies um, still play a role, and I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, I think very often uh, we we have the case where uh, there's teams that are scaling and they don't have the capacity, and then they they bring in an agency to fill in the expertise gap and and just actually the manpower. Uh, and and woman power, um, and and then eventually um, in house a lot of these activities because it's fairly easy um, to run on these platforms, including ours. 
And, I, and I've um, even seen agencies like rolling up landing pages now and, and kind of try, trying to do the value add on the conversion side, knowing that uh, if they just focus on the customer acquisition side, that, that they're likely to be disintermediated by, by technologies. Yeah, I, I think, by the way, there's also value add in, in the creative production. So there's agencies that are um, adding uh, creative production and media buying as, as services. And and given that uh, creative is one of the few levers that one has um, in this new world, it's becoming increasingly important to get that right and, and having someone um, with a lot of expertise, like an agency to help you is, is very useful and powerful. And that'll be an interesting question to kind of come back to our original. And it's, it's a question without an answer right now, but the, uh, what role does AI play in, in that media creation itself in the advertising creation and landing page creation? Because I know, I know there's a lot of tools out there that are are quickly creating different types of of advertisements and even full websites at this point. So um, it's yeah yeah all of this is evolving really quickly and it's and it's an exciting area to to watch and I think you guys play a a really critical role. So we have we have one final question that we like to end every uh, every one of these conversations with and and it's uh, what do you feel like you understand about growth? today that you may not have understood a couple of years ago at least not as well i i I love that question um to me it's the impact individuals have um on on growth so you 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 can have out outsized impact um by extremely high talented individuals that that basically can can set your company on a completely different uh, growth trajectory and i think um that is something that i wasn't as uh aware of and and i've i've learned that over the last uh, couple of years i would say or more but uh it it became inc- i i became increasingly aware how important it is to have these uh, superstars within your team. I love that because I don't think it minimizes everybody's uh, impact on growth, but it says that, like, I think as an individual, for if, if someone's listening to this, it says to you, uh, don't work, you know, don't be afraid to be the change maker to throw, you know, to th- you know, throw out the big ideas, even if they if they sound crazy. Yes, yes, and 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 put in the work. Um, because, uh, yeah, I think that that can really set people apart. Like, there's a lot of people, like us, who like to talk. Um, <laughs> actually, the people who like uh, get stuck in and do the work and and are creative and 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 find a way to get things done and see the world slightly differently and have some that 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 really makes the difference. That makes the whole thing fun and. And I think you also need to pick an environment where this is celebrated and um, where you can, where people are open to 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 hearing good ideas and allow them to come from anywhere, right? Yeah, so then absolutely. You can rise to the top. Absolutely, and you know, just one uh, before we. Uh, kind of uh, get, lean too far into the positioning of talkers and not doers. Uh, you know, I just, I just finished up a role with, with uh, Bounce. Uh, I think it's one of the fastest growing companies in, in the world. And uh, I, I love rolling up my sleeves and doing because it is really easy to get theoretical about these things and, and become academic about them. And I know Ethan has been hands-on with the company as well. And uh, just, just uh, it, that's where that's where kind of this this stuff is is reality um and uh and and kind of the the hype cycle as we kind of talked about with ai and some of these other pieces outcomes outcomes matter outcomes are what uh are what help you drive impact in a business whether it's games and the impact is just entertainment and fun or you're solving a, a hard problem that people have if you don't have the right tools to reach those customers and and uh, cost effectively acquire and serve those customers, you're not going to provide very much impact and you're not going to build a valuable business. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited by this conversation. My, my big takeaway, um, again, comes back to 
yeah, just like there, there's so much hype around AI right now and, and that machine learning is, is a piece of AI and that you guys are applying it in a way that, that really helps companies drive a lot more impact on their customers by being able to expand the, uh, that the strong return on investment opportunities to uh, strong return on ad spend opportunities to, to acquire lots of customers. And um, so, yeah, it's a super cool conversation, a fun conversation. Ethan, do you have any other big takeaways from this conversation? No, you really stole mine again, Sean, but uh, <laughs> no, but I, but I, but I, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think it comes down to, you know, get stuff done. You want to talk about AI? Great. But if you want to, if you want to get, if you like turn that into action, you know, figure out how AI is going to change your future, whatever it is, you know, it's it, like you said, it's the language it becomes less important than the, than the effort to make those, those things come to life. So uh, yeah, Ben, I equally uh, enjoyed this conversation. Um, I probably will not be able to speak for another week, but uh, thank but you. It's been, uh, it's been <laughs> <laughs> Ben. Any Again, any last uh, words that you you want to before we wrap things up? I I, I want to thank you both for having me. Um, I I enjoyed the conversation very much, and I as I told you, um, it went on longer than uh, we all expected, but. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed myself a lot. So thanks, yeah, well, thanks for the questions and the prep. Absolutely. And when, when it goes on longer, that means that Ethan and I are really excited about the, uh, the topic and the guest and, and the company. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing an interesting conversation. And uh, for Ethan and I, it's the first, first uh, podcast interview we've done for a while because we have both been so busy executing. So it's, it's great, to, great to be back in and have you back on as one of our first guests after an extended break, but we've got a lot more planned. And uh, so for those who have tuned in, thank you for listening and we'll, we'll bring you another episode soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Breakout Growth Podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, subscribe so you never miss a show. Until next week.